0: Hello. Welcome. This is, uh, let's start over. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Welcome to Mumford and Other Observations. We're TS Russell and Bridget
1: Gamboni. That's
0: right. And we are here to answer your questions about Mumford and Sons. Answer all those questions that you didn't even know that you had about Mumford and Sons. So this is, uh, this is us giving you too much information about the songs of Mumford and Sons. So welcome back and let's get started. We are on season one, episode 11. We are into double digits. We have made more than 10 episodes now and this is super exciting. I just realized my buttons aren't buttons so I'm gonna take care of that real quick. Song number 11 on No More is Dust Bowl Dance. And to start here, we're gonna have Bridget read us the lyrics of uh, Mumford and Son's one and only ballad. Yes,
1: that's right. (laughs) All right, here we go. The young man stands on the edge of his porch. The days were short and the father was gone. There was no one in the town and no one in the field. This dusty, barren land had given all it could yield. I've been kicked off my land at the age of 16, and I have no idea where else my heart could have been. I placed all my trust at the foot of this hill And now i am sure my heart can never be still so collect your courage and collect your horse and pray you never feel this same kind of remorse seal my heart and break my pride i've nowhere to stand and now nowhere to hide align my heart my body my mind to face what i've done and do my time well you are my accuser now look in my face your oppression reeks of your greed and your disgrace So one man has and another has not. How can you love what it is you have got? When you look it all from the weak hands of the poor, liars and thieves, you know not what is in store. There will come a time I will look in your eye. You will pray to the God that you always denied. Then I'll go out back and I'll get my gun. I'll say you haven't met me. I am the only son. Seal my heart and break my pride. I've nowhere to stand and now nowhere to hide. Align my heart, my body, my mind to face what I've done and do my time. Well, yes sir, yes sir, yes it was me. I know what I've done, cause I know what I've seen. I went out back and I got my gun. I said you haven't met me, I am the only son.
0: It's a very dramatic song. It is. Mm-hmm. One of the most dramatic uh, on the album, just in terms of the intensity of what's going on, but also the almost stage-like quality of Mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah. There are some other songs that seem maybe akin to, like, a Shakespearean soliloquy. I Gave You All comes to mind, for instance, Mm -hmm. but this has not quite dialogue, but almost dialogue and different scenes taking Mm -hmm. place and things like that, so... It's really it's a pretty unique song for Mumford and Sons. It's much more. We actually get third person narration yeah, like in this one, which yeah. I don't know if we ever get that in any other of their songs. Um, so it's just kind of kind of interesting. In terms yeah. then, of the literary source for this song, that would be "The Grapes of Wrath" by John Steinbeck, <laughs> which just so happens to be in this. Giant pile of books that I forgot to take off the bookshelf, but that's okay. Now you can get to see some of the books I've read. About half of those books, maybe. Eh, no, I've read most of those books. There's a few of them I haven't read, like "Why I Am Not a Christian" by Bertrand Russell. I'm not entirely sure why I, why I have that because I am a Christian. I do want to write a book at one point called "Why I Am Not Bertrand Russell" by a Christian. <laughs> um but that's a little tangential. So The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. As I've mentioned before, Steinbeck is one of my favorite writers. East of Eden, which uh, appears in this this album as well, is one of my favorite books of all time. So I was really excited at the prospect of reading The Grapes of Wrath, which I read specifically to prepare for uh, doing this podcast. I kind of had mixed feelings about the book itself, but I'll get into that in a minute, first I just wanna sort of summarize Mm -hmm. what it's about. And I actually, I took this summary from the jacket of of this book, because it's, uh, I thought it did a really good job of um, describing it. So it describes The Grapes of Wrath as, a portrait of the conflict between the powerful and the powerless, of one man's fierce reaction to injustice, and of one woman's stoical strength. The novel captures the horrors of the Great Depression and probes into the very nature of equality and justice in America. Although it follows the movement of thousands of men and women and the transformation of an entire nation, The Grapes of Wrath is also the story of one Oklahoma family, the Jodes, who are driven off their homestead and forced to travel west to the promised land of California. Out of their trials and their repeated collisions against the hard realities of an America divided into haves and have-nots, evolves a drama that is intensely human yet majestic in its scale and moral vision, elemental yet plain-spoken, tragic but ultimately stirring in its human dignity. I think that description is fairly on point. Um, My biggest gripe with the novel was that at a certain point, just the same thing kept happening Mm. over and over again for the rest of the book, and it never really... Things just got worse and worse. He definitely had a point in, in showing it, but I feel like the point was like I got the point along, you know, long before he stopped showing me the plight of these people. And he never really went very far beyond what the plight of the people was, which was the frustrating mm-hmm. part. So he does a very good job of showing what it's like for the uh, the Okies, as mm-hmm. they're called, right? The migrants from Oklahoma and surrounding states to California. Steinbeck does a really good job of describing what they go through and the difficulties of it but he doesn't really go any further beyond that there's like a tiny glimpse of hope maybe for the overall situation in america for all these people but not much and there's not much hope for the individual family that it follows even i'm not against depressing books Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but you know i i love me some depressing literature you know I love No Exit and Waiting for Godot and The Death of Ivan Ilyich and all that sort of thing, but if a book is 450 pages long and I'm really invested in these characters, I want them to have some sort of resolution. Mm -hmm. And the book just kind of cuts off and ends without providing any resolution. Mm -hmm. So the book is an ambitious project on Steinbeck's part, and he did a lot of things about it very well. But Ultimately, it was not nearly as successful, in my opinion, as something like East of Eden, which is even longer than The Grapes of Wrath. But it, um, I think he really captured many more elemental aspects of the human spirit in that book than he does in The Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath seems kind of one-sided. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my... Uh, opinions about the Grapes of Wrath. If you've read the Grapes of Wrath and you have different opinions, let me know in the comments below. <laughs> I'd love to uh, talk some Steinbeck with you. So how does Dust Bowl Dance relate to the Grapes of Wrath is the question. So not it doesn't exactly relate to it directly because it's not like the young man in Dust Bowl Dance is any of the characters from Grapes of Wrath. But the situation is very similar. You have this person who's in the same situation as the Jodes and a lot of the other migrant workers that appear in the Grapes of Wrath, right? They're Mm -hmm. homesteaders from the Oklahoma area, and they've been driven off their land by the the landowners and forced to move to California. But some of them don't want, some of them don't move, and some of them go nuts and decide that against all odds, they're going to stay at their home, and they're going to shoot anybody who tries to make them leave you know there, there are characters like that who show up in the grapes of wrath and so the young man in dust bowl dance is basically one of those people so it deals with a similar starting scenario and a lot of the same themes like you know the america divided into haves and have nots that sort of thing it's there it's like set in a shared universe if you will as uh the grapes of wrath even though it's not about any of the same characters so it could be the song could be about any number of young men who were kicked off their land during the dust bowl of the 1930s and 1940s Mm -hmm. um in the great depression so for those of you who don't know what the dust bowl is it was a period um in american plains history where there was just dust storms constantly the land had been worked to death and it, wouldn't, it would barely produce any yield anymore. And there were just dust storms all the time. And people were having trouble breathing and just surviving in that area. So that, that sort of thing led a lot of the landowning companies and banks to consolidate a lot of farms into, you know, in, into enormous farms that were manned by men and tractors as opposed to Tenant families, so that's uh, that's what was happening during the Dust Bowl, and of course the Great Depression aggravated all of that. And it's a very messy time in American history, and uh, a lot of tragedy that went on there, and uh, lot, lots of different you know lots of different sides of the story to consider, which I think is one of the things that Steinbeck didn't do very well was considering some of the other people's perspectives. He focused solely on the Okies, the migrant workers, and maybe he should have given us a picture of some of the some of the men in the banks and companies that owned the land as well mm-hmm. to sort of balance out the perspective. Not that I'm saying that what those companies were doing was right, but those were human beings also.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So anyway, it's a you know it's a complicated time in history, just like mm-hmm. any period in history. But that's how Grapes of Wrath relates to. Dust Bowl dance, and uh, that uh, that is that. So mm-hmm. let's move on to the No Fear Mumford <laughs> translation of the lyrics of the song. These lyrics are more straightforward than most Mumford & Sons songs, right? They're mm-hmm. telling a fairly, you know, more or less chronological story. Uh, we have a third-person narrator in the first stanza, and then after that it switches to first person for uh, the rest of the song, but he speaks to several different people throughout the throughout the course of the song. So it plays out like a drama or a ballad, which is fitting for it taking place in, you know, essentially the Old West. (laughs) So in the first stanza, we open with a description of the young man looking out at the dusty barren land that has been ruined by the Dust Bowl, and we learn that his father is dead and that the nearby fields and towns have all been abandoned. He's basically the last person here. Not quite the last person, though, because in the second stanza, he's addressing somebody probably a friend of his, and telling him about his plight. So we find out here that he's only 16 years old, so he's no longer a boy, but he's not yet a man. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: the landowners have kicked him off his land, presumably so they can consolidate the farms in the area and have them all manned by tractors instead of tenant families. And this is the only life that a young man has ever known. And the idea of being forced to leave has driven him to desperation. He then urges his friend to leave and to pray that you never feel the same kind of remorse, which uh, makes us wonder what does he have remorse about. The chorus appears next, where we find the young man struggling to face the facts of what he's done, and we we don't know still at this point what it is that he's done. But he's about to tell us in the next stanza. Stanza three is a flashback to the young man confronting the representative of the company that owns the bank who's been sent there to kick him off of his land. Uh, He accuses that man and his employers of greed and disregard for their fellow men and he threatens to shoot him. And then the chorus repeats and the music builds to climactic intensity. I think the chorus is repeated several times at this point. And then finally in the last stanza we hear the young man with bowed head, admitting to the police, or perhaps to a judge in a courtroom, that he shot the man from the company, and he describes how it happened. He says, I, I went out back and I got my gun, and I said, you haven't met me, I am the only son. So it ends pretty tragically, right, we get the idea that he's going to be, honestly he's probably going to be hanged for shooting the man. Um, I don't know the exact details of Oklahoma criminal law in the 1930s and 40s, but I would imagine that he uh, wasn't, he was at least incarcerated for life, if not executed. So, yeah, it ends in kind of a dark place. Mm -hmm. This is a much, um, quite a contrast to the previous song, which was Awake My Soul and all (laughs) about, um, you know, the soul waking up to the good things of reality and becoming aware of the best things. And now we see this man who is um, just so overcome by his attachment to the land and to this life that he's known that he ends up shooting somebody. It's a complicated situation because you don't want to blame him too much because it really is a terrible thing for these people to be forced off their land like that. But at the same time, you also don't really want to blame the representative of the company too much because Mm -hmm. he's not the one making these decisions. But is he somehow complicit in evil by working for this company? But Mm -hmm. he has a family to feed also, right? And he doesn't want to become like the Okies that traveled to California and all starved to death trying to find work in a land of plenty. And the really tragic thing about it is that a lot of these people who are working for the company, you know, driving the tractors, um, or, you know, being sent to confront people to force them off the land, were the neighbors of these farmers. It's kind of like the Civil War almost, brother turning on brother. And these people that you've known all your lives, everybody's just trying to do what's best for their families. It's a tough situation, for sure. I'm not here to pass judgment mm-hmm. on, on any of them necessarily, but uh, you could say that the uh, that the young man really effed it up this mm-hmm. time yes. um, by, by losing his cool and shooting that man. But on the other hand, maybe that was, you know, there's there's a chance that that was the right thing for him to do. We'll look more more at that sort of thing as we move line by line through the song. So do you have any thoughts so far before we jump into the lines
1: well i guess i'm thinking about how this song is wedged between i think the two most encouraging songs on the album
0: you think after the storm is encouraging
1: yeah mm-hmm. i do
0: all right <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe i'll learn more
0: well, i think i think it's encouraging it's like there's a glimmer of light
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it's mostly darkness
1: I guess I, I see it as more of a, a hopeful song. Well, Um, we can
0: settle that dispute in the next episode. Yes, yes,
1: (laughs) yes, yes. yes. At least it's the one that elicits the most
0: joy. Yeah, the chorus is definitely very, Mm -hmm. very encouraging and joyful. Yeah. So yeah, no, go ahead. I wasn't trying to trip you up there.
1: (laughs) That's okay. But right. So I, I think it's an interesting placement of this song. Right in between. Maybe that's what they want them. Maybe they want to break up. Some, I mean, from my perspective, maybe they want to break up a little bit of the uppityness,
2: mm-hmm.
1: cheer cheeriness, <laughs> um, with a little dissonance, um, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's more of a, a narrative. Um, just this, yeah, third person, um, outside looking in. Story that we're observing unrelated. I mean, the plot is just out of nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so I just I don't know. I'm wondering what, why, yeah, why, why would they put it there? But.
0: Right. It's a very standalone mm-hmm. song in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, for one thing, it gets much more electric than any of the other songs on the album, musically speaking. Yeah. And right. it it. Like you said, the plot kind of comes out of nowhere. It's a self-contained narrative.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: not really following up on any of the other songs in the, on the album, narratively, anyway. Mm-hmm. But it might be, you know, there are a number of thematic connections mm-hmm. with other songs on the album. It, it almost seems like they couldn't find any better place to yeah. put this song. Mm-hmm. And it does, so yeah, in, in a lot of ways, it does feel kind of out of place on the album. But I think we should keep in mind that Mumford wasn't trying to tell a particular linear story mm. with the songs on this album. The way that it plays out is that it does, it follows something of a, a dramatic, you know, flow and structure, but it's not not intentionally constructed as this, you know, secret story for mm. us all to follow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of a lone wolf mm-hmm. on the album mm-hmm. in a number of ways.
1: Yeah, I guess they had to put it somewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's really good, so yeah. not we're not complaining yeah. or anything. <laughs> we're just uh, a little bit... Uh, curious. Curious. Yeah, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. I was going to say confused, but curious mm-hmm. is more what it is. Mm-hmm. All right, so in the first line of the song, we have the young man stands on the edge of his porch. You know, I know that I just said that it's not really connected with a lot of the other songs narratively, but... I think it's fairly evident that a lot of the songs on the album have been about young men. If for no other reason than that Marcus Mumford was a young man when he wrote these songs.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's interesting that we've been following these these young men, or you could even interpret it as one young man throughout the course of the album. We've been following him, and now we actually have him referred to by a third-person narrator objectively. It says the young man, not a young man.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So in that way, it's not as if we're starting a new story. It's like he's picking up on previous story threads, saying that young man that you've been following so far. He stands on the edge of his porch.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe there's something there, mm-hmm. um, and just the fact that he said that that the word man appears here. You know, we've kind of been. F- tracking the progression of, uh, of human nature throughout the album. And the word man is a stand in for, you know, the word, the words man and human nature are more or less interchangeable. And so in sign No more, we were like, you know, man is a giddy thing. Be more like the man you were made to be mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Can I see the booklet? I don't have all of these passages written down, but I gave you all mentions man also. Oh, but that's the blind man. We were kind of confused by exactly what the blind man was doing in that song um obviously he's connected with king lear because there's a lot of themes of blindness in that and in oedipus rex which that play was inspired by but also um i think an argument could be made that every all of the men in these various songs on the album are blind men hmm because we don't see the beauty of love as it was made to be which makes us blind and then uh little lion man the word man shows up (laughs) numerous times in that song obviously because weep for myself my man weep little lion man tremble for yourself my man so there's a lot of uh confronting the the idea of man in that song and then uh tim shell you have your choices These are what make man great, his ladder to the stars. So that's a very clear allusion to human nature there. Here in Dust Bowl Dance, we have the young man. And then after the storm, man will come up again. Because it talks about how death is just so full and man so small. Mumford & Sons has been talking a lot about human nature and man throughout this album. And so now, here we see the young man. You know, the the young man who is a giddy thing, who is blind, who is, you know, struggles with courage, like the little lion man, who has these choices that make him great and provide him a ladder to the stars, and and who is so small compared to the mysteries of death. A lot of these previous images surrounding man and human nature come together here in this album, or in in this song the fact that he stands on the edge of his porch stand has come up in a couple other songs in Little Lion Man, talked about how your boldness stands alone among the wreck. And here he really is standing alone on his Mm. porch among the wreck of the dusty barren land that's given all it could yield. And then um, Tim Shell, they were saying as brothers, we will stand and we'll hold your hand. So in that song, we had the 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 word stand was being used as an image of not being alone. So this song here is kind of a contrast to that because he is very much alone, aside from the people that he's talking to. We'll move on then to the next line in the stanza. The days were short and the father was gone. So the days were short, I guess it must be winter time, mm-hmm. Or it just could be because of the dust bowl that they're really... Um, because of all the dust you don't really see much of the sun so that that's honestly probably more what it's about Mm -hmm. but if it's winter we've talked about winter before right Mm -hmm. with winter winds and uh, thistle and weeds so there's that and then um the father was gone this is our first reference to father in the album Uh, We saw brothers in I Gave You All and in Tim Shell. We saw mothers in Little Lion Man and Tim Shell. And now here we have references to father and to son. So we got kind of the whole family dynamic there. We don't have sisters, but, you know, uh, it's close. In another sense, though, this isn't the first time that the father has been mentioned on this album because they've talked a lot about God, about the maker, this line here, the father was gone, is reminiscent of Christ's crying on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In one sense, yes, on a narrative level, the father of the son is dead, which means he's the man of the house. He's the man of that land. But in another sense, he feels abandoned by the Lord, which why wouldn't he? When your when your situation is, is like his is when there was no one in the town and no one in the field. So again, just emphasizing that concept of abandonment,
2: mm-hmm.
0: being abandoned by not only God, but by everybody else. He's really, he's the last one here. This dusty barren land had given all that it could yield. And we've seen, we saw land back in the cave. When it was talking about walking on your hands and understanding dependence when you know the maker's land. The maker's land is obviously an important mm-hmm. thing you know mm-hmm. god is the creator of heaven and earth so uh i guess all the land is really his right
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then we'll we'll see land again and after the storm where he talks about remembering our own land what we live for which spoiler alert it's not going to be physical land on yeah. this earth it's mm-hmm. going to be more along a uh, thistle and weeds more, more along that track uh, referring to the world to come But speaking of thistle and weeds, that's also the idea of planting seeds is very much connected with the earth and the land that comes to mind here. We're talking about the dusty, barren land. It's really, it's not fit for holding seeds. Now we move from third-person narration to first-person speaking. And I know I've been emphasizing the idea of him being alone, but clearly there's somebody here that he's talking to, probably a friend who came by to check on him maybe maybe this friend is on his way out he's going to be moving his family away to California uh, doing the thing that that this son didn't have couldn't couldn't bring himself to do whether or not it would have been the right thing for him to do he just he couldn't do it right he didn't have the the courage to leave the land or maybe we could say he was too courageous too stubborn <laughs> to leave the land. He says I've been kicked off my land at the age of 16. So like I said earlier, he's not he's no longer a boy. Right? He's 16 years old, he's got all of the you're you're built like a man more or less by that point and you're um you've reached that age of relative maturity, but you're not quite you're not quite a man. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the legal sense you turn it become a man when you're 18 or 20 21, depending on who you ask. Mm -hmm. Um, But at 16, you're more developed than a boy, but you haven't really developed into a man yet. At that point, you're just just starting out on that on that path. And he says, "And I have no idea where else my heart could have been." He's really taking it to heart this idea of being kicked off of the land. Where was he supposed to invest his love if not right here in the place where I mean, honestly, probably his grandfather or great grandfather was the the first tenant of that farm. So what is he? That this is literally all he's ever known and all that his father before him ever knew.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What was he supposed to do? You know, I placed all my trust at the foot of this hill. Is the next line. This was his whole world, and he trusted in it. And now I am sure my heart could never be still. Where could he go now? Where he's going to find the kind of stability and peace that he's known here on this farm even if his life was hard you know being 16 he probably doesn't really clearly remember a time before the dust bowl maybe maybe barely but probably not much Mm -hmm. this is all he's ever known even though it's been really difficult it's still that's where his heart's been at uh I i won't go through all of the different uh uses of the word heart throughout this album because there's a lot and we just went over those in the last uh song the last episode on awake my soul but it's um you know it's it's significant we know that the heart lets us down Mm -hmm. a lot that's the kind of the main thing that we've that we've learned but also that the heart the heart cries out for peace and love and beauty and all those things it's this unique part of us that partakes in both the, the bodily and physical and in the spiritual. It's, it's subject to the virtues and vices of both the body and the soul. You know, where we put our heart is very important. You know, Christ says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The, this young man, has, his heart has been here at this farm, at the foot of this hill, as he says. That makes me think of the hill of the cross which is where as Christians, we place our trust. So for him, it's almost as if, almost like he's lived all of his life as a good Christian and then all of a sudden, he had all that taken away from him. And he's starting to question like, what was the point of all of it? And now I am sure my heart could never be still, which just made me think of this line from St. Augustine's Confessions, where he says, for you made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So this idea of the heart being not still, being restless. We tend to try to find that peace and that rest in the things of this world and the things that we've always known. But then something like this comes along. And just like the title of that James Bond movie, the world is not enough.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So
0: we can't, uh, there's always going to be things in this life that are going to let us down. And so even even if it's something good and wholesome, like the family farm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it could be just snatched away from you in the blink of an eye. And I think that's what he's getting at here. So then he says to his friend, so collect your courage and collect your horse and pray you never feel the same kind of remorse. So when he says collect your courage, I think he's, I think what he's saying there is he's saying pluck up your courage and actually take the step to leave this place and and go make a new life for yourself, right? Take your horse and and leave, make the more courageous choice than I did. Mm -hmm. Because I I think he's accusing himself of taking the coward's road here and of of refusing to leave because he just, he didn't know where else he could go because this is all, all he's ever known. And pray that you never feel the same kind of remorse. So there's a prayer coming into it. So a reference to God there, uh, which just sort of, to me, sort of justifies the way I've been interpreting these last few lines. Pray that you never feel the same kind of remorse. So pray that you never do what I've done, that you never make the fall that I've made, that you never F it up mm-hmm. like I did.
1: This theme of um, attachment, um, kind of like what we were what you were saying about restlessness, and being detached from our co- things that make us comfortable, um, things that we've known, uh, being able to let things go. because um, yeah, it seems like he doesn't want to let this go. Um, and I think that's just a good lesson for us all. I feel like this came up in another song.
0: What, attachments mm, and things? Yeah, Probably Thistle and Weeds.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Because we were talking about, you know, the kingdom of God and not being attached to the things of this world so you can right. fix your gaze on,
1: yes. on the next. Yes, 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 So I'm probably repeating myself now, but I think it's an important... <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. well, I, think, I think Mumford and Sons is referring to it again.
1: Right, right. Ultimately, our fulfillment is in God and the importance of, you know, not being attached to the things that make us so comfortable... Because it can be taken away in an instant, um, mm-hmm. you never, you never know. Have your feet firmly planted in the person of, of Christ and of God, um, and that's where you find your your security. That's the most important thing. Um, and when we lose sight of that, um, <laughs> we might do some crazy things. Our um, our passions, our desires, when they're disordered, might lead
0: us to uh,
1: trying to. S- Find fulfillment in other things, mm-hmm. um, that will not or to
0: try to try to hold on to those things to the yeah. point of doing other things that, in our right minds, we would mm-hmm. would never think of doing. Right? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. As we can see, as we will see with this
0: character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving into the uh, chorus, then. Seal my heart and break my pride. I have nowhere to stand and now nowhere to hide. Align my heart, my body, my mind to face what I've done and do my time. He's already done the thing, which spoiler alert is that he killed the, he killed the man who was kicking him off of his land. He's already done it. And now he's trying to face what he's done and do his time to do time in jail, although like I was conjecturing earlier, he could quite possibly be hanged for this Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or sent to the electric chair or whatever the preferred method of capital punishment was in that day, in that place. This first line of the chorus here, seal my heart and break my pride, I find very interesting. So first of all, the first image of sealing my heart. So he's already talked about the heart several times. Um, I have no idea where else my heart could have been other than at the foot of this hill. And now I am sure my heart could never be still. So when he says to seal my heart, I think I'm not entirely sure what he's saying there. Maybe Mm -hmm. he's saying that he's just closing off his heart from the rest of him, kind of stifling any cries or desires that his heart is making because of what he's done because he's not going to be able to um, find any peace now. Because the place where he found his peace has been stolen from him, and now he's done this terrible thing, and he'll, he'll never be able to make a life for himself. And that's why he's so sure that his heart can never be still again. He's damned himself in in a sense. Obviously, as Christians and Catholics, we believe that, you can always, no matter what you've done, you can always come back. But at least, at least in this life, there's really no, no hope for him. Um, He can, he can repent to the Lord, but uh, society is still going to do what, uh, what they do to him. It's like, in uh, oh brother, where art thou? Or two of the three criminals that are the main characters in the movie, they get baptized. And they think that because of that, the law is just going to forgive them. And Their buddy's like, you know, well, the the Lord may be forgiving, but the state of Mississippi is a little bit more (laughs) hard-nosed. But the other thing that this this expression, seal my heart, brought to mind was a passage in the Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6, where the lover says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. I thought that was interesting, similar language there, even though this is clearly not the song is clearly not a love story like mm-hmm. the Song of Songs is. But um it's definitely about passions that are as strong as death. Maybe it's set up here as kind of a, a contrast, right? That here he's saying he's saying that his heart can never find peace or love. But the song of songs is saying that. When you, when you do find somebody to love forever, you set that person like a seal upon your heart, right? And a uh, seal in this sense would be like, you know, like a, like a wax seal or mm-hmm. a tattoo or, you know, some kind of, some kind of mark
2: yeah. to
0: say this belongs to this other person. Put some kind of mark on you that will persist until death because that's how strong love is. So I just thought that was an interesting comparison there whether or not that was intentional on Mumford and son's part you never know but mm-hmm. they have a way of referencing scripture in unexpected ways so
2: yeah.
0: you know who knows <laughs> <laughs> the next expression in that line is break my pride and I think what he's saying there is that it was it was pride that drove him to do what he did to refuse to leave the land um, because he lacked that courage and it, and it pushed him to go so far as killing a man, even though that's really not going to do anything to help him keep his land. So it it was just his pride talking when he did that. Now he realizes that that needs to be broken down so that he can face what he's done and do his time. That's the kind of redemption that he's looking for. What he seems to think is that if he can face what he's done and admit it and take his punishment willingly then that'll bring him as much peace as he can find in this life and maybe maybe he's right about that um and we'll see at the end of the song that he does reach that point and he makes his confession at the end
2: mm-hmm.
0: the second line in the chorus is i've nowhere to stand and now nowhere to hide so at the beginning of the song he was standing on the edge of his porch and he made his stand there, right? He he killed the killed the man. But that's as far as he can go in that enterprise. There's really there's nothing more that he can do. So he has he has nowhere to make a stand and nowhere to hide where they can't where they won't find him. Or even if he can evade the law, he's never going to be able to evade his conscience. And so what does he need to do? Align my heart, my body. My mind. There's heart coming back. So, heart is mentioned at least four times in this song, mm-hmm. um, aside from any times that the chorus gets repeated. So, heart is a very important image in this song. He wants his heart aligned with his body and his mind, which is interesting because we've seen that language of aligning the heart before, way back on the first song,
2: mm-hmm. Sign
0: No More. There is a design. An alignment Mm -hmm. a cry of my heart so there's an alignment of my heart to see the beauty of love as it was made to be his his heart is supposed to be aligned to see the beauty of love here he wants to align his heart with his body and his mind um and as we've been talking about the heart partakes of the bodily and the mental or spiritual and unites the two He recognizes that only once he reconciles the mind, the heart, and the flesh together, only then will he be able to face what he's done and do his time. Then he'll, he'll have conquered the pride and the lack of courage that he's been facing that will bring him as much peace as he can find. In this life, you know, he's saying at the beginning of the chorus that he wants to seal his heart, that he wants to close it off from any emotions or any any desires that it's having to to find peace. But then he does lay out in the rest of the chorus how he can find peace. So I think he maybe he does something of a one eighty there, or maybe I'm misinterpreting exactly what he means by sealing his heart. Um, yeah, what do you what do you think?
1: i mean I, for me i think he's i think conversion is an accurate interpretation here um break my pride realizing yeah that he's been yeah misguided i suppose or uh his prior priorities have been disordered um and i'm admitting that that humility of admitting his his faults and wanting to yeah, that alignment, as it says here, so that it is rightly ordered to be that which is right and, and noble. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say,
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like, we can look at that more as, mm-hmm. we, as we go through this. So we are into the, uh, we're past the first chorus now, and we're going into the confrontation mm-hmm. with the antagonist. Where he says, well, you are my accuser. Now look in my face. Your oppression reeks of your greed and disgrace. So one man has and another has not. How can you love what it is you have got? When you took it all from the weak hands of the poor, liars and thieves, you know not what is in store. There will come a time I will look in your eye. You will pray to the God that you always denied. Then I'll go out back and I'll get my gun. I'll say you haven't met me. I am the only son.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So this is a... <laughs> This is a a rapid and rapid fire intense part of the song here. And it's interesting that we don't, that kind of like, uh, kind of like the grapes of wrath by Steinbeck it's, it's all one-sided and we see everything from the perspective of the oppressed and not from the oppressors. The, uh, the, the man that he shoots is never given a chance to speak, to defend himself in this. Mm. Which is interesting, because you know, on on the one hand, what's he what's he gonna say? He's not the one calling the shots, therefore he's not the one who deserves to be shot for kicking him off of his land. Also, it's it's a terrible thing mm-hmm. that he's doing. So, what it what are you really going to say? Interesting that uh, the term accuser is used here. That uh, for in my mind that goes back to. Uh, little lion man we had that intense uh, accusation coming from either from his conscience or maybe from the devil still not entirely sure about that clearly the the accusations made against this young man really got to him and broken so apparently he's already made uh, the accusation I get I guess that accusation is probably just that hey you know, we told you to get off the land and you haven't gotten out, gotten off of it. But that, that really, like he just goes off on him now. You know, tells him, look at my face. That expression, look at my face, is all about you know, seeing and you know, sight, right? Yeah. Uh, which, again, we went through all of the instances of that, the, those, those sorts of expressions in the last episode, so I won't go through them all again. But it's an important theme. In poetry in general in this album and also here on this particular song and then he says your oppression reeks of your greed and disgrace so we've got greed there which ties in with Thistle and weeds, which is all about not being greedy not have not being so obsessed with the things of this world that you forget about spiritual matters Um, and so that's really what the young man is accusing this other man of doing, right? That you're so, you're so blinded by your greed and by your, your misuse of grace, hence the term disgrace,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that you don't see what's really important here. It's even blinded him to the, just the, the physical well-being of the, these tenant farmers. He says, so one man has and another has not. And how can you love what it is you have got when you took it all from the weak hands of the poor. So again, just tied in with that idea of greed, you know, you think it's so important who has what, right? And that because you're the one who has something, you get to call all the shots. You think basically you think that because you have control over the physical things and physical circumstances that you have control over other people. But you've gone too far this time, Mm -hmm. you had neither reason nor rhyme with which to take this soul that is so rightfully mine. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, there's something about the human person that nobody else can take away, right? You can steal somebody's innocence, but you cannot steal their substance. But then also, how can you love the things that you have when you took it all from the weak hands of the poor? Doesn't that weigh on your conscience? You know, The whole idea of, of dirty money and of not being able to, to be at peace because you know that you didn't gain, gain these things through through good means right that you didn't plant your hope with good seeds that you just you took this from other people this here that this whole like theme it's yeah you know, i guess it's a social justice theme here which mm-hmm. i'm all reticent to use that term because it's so loaded in this day and age mm-hmm. but you know uh, as far as it goes, there's a lot of point to it. You know, we don't,
2: yeah,
0: we don't want to disregard the plight of the poor, right? That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm saying when I'm objecting to social justice. But what I'm ob- what I'm objecting to is the way that the term social justice gets hijacked by hijacked by political people and just politicized for people's private purposes, which and means that you end up doing the same thing and just manipulating the poor. But anyway. But this is not a political podcast, and I'm going to stop talking about that. So anyway, my point is these themes that they're talking about here are very similar to a lot of the themes from a song that they released recently, last year in 2020. I think it was then, right? Was it was in 2020, maybe late 2019. But uh, The Blind, leading the Blind, uh, yeah. which was, they released it as a single they had, Initially planned to put it on the Delta album, but they weren't able to They didn't finish it in time or they couldn't find a, a good place on the album to fit it into I think mm-hmm. was more what it was. That's just that's an interesting thing You should if you haven't listened to the blind they did the blind. It's very good would recommend checking that out but it deals with more of these sort of ideas of um, Disregarding the poor and being well, being blind. And so it's, you know, pretty, pretty well connected to uh, several of the themes on on this album here. And then it says, uh, liars and thieves, you know not what is in store. And so we we talked a lot about knowing in the last episode about Awake My Soul and uh, knowing and not knowing, right? The relation of that to the images of seeing and sight and eyes and that sort of thing. But uh here he's saying, "You're living your life this certain way, as a liar and as a thief. You don't know that, and and you've you've blinded yourself to what's really coming for you, which is judgment. Is is the, the Lord? Is the judgment is the Lord's alone? Something like that. There's some Bible verse about that. Judgment is
1: mine. Judgment Say is mine," saith
0: the Lord. Yes, or is That's it
1: vengeance? vengeance, oh, vengeance is, is
0: mine. mine. But uh, I mean, there's all sorts of <laughs> passages in Scripture yeah. about how it's up to the Lord to judge mm-hmm. and not to us. He decided, <laughs> the young man in this song decides to take it upon himself, mm-hmm. right? There will come a time I will look in your eye, et cetera. Et cetera and, and I'm going to deal out judgment to you. And then he says, there will come a time I will look in your eye, you will pray to the God that you always denied. And so basically saying you're going to meet your maker.
2: <laughs> yeah, <I won't laughs> I'm,
0: I'm going to send you there. You better hope that uh, that God hears you. Uh, it's interesting that, that the word pray comes up again here. Mm-hmm. So it appears twice in this song. Also that image of looking in the eye, you know, seeing things for what they really are, coming face to face with reality. Then I'll go out back and I'll get my gun. I'll say, you haven't met me. I am the only son.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: of course, that image of the only son, very strong uh, allusion to Christ there, which goes back to earlier in the song when we are talking about how the father was gone, right? And kind of setting this up as a, as a reference to God the father. And here he's identifying himself as God, as God the son, right, as the persecuted one. But of course, he does the thing that God the Son would never do, and and, and kills the guy. I've been talking a lot. What are you, what are you thinking?
1: Well, I was just struck by uh, there will come a time. You know, we see that in this song, and then in the very next oh, you're song, right. yeah. there will come a time, and then it made me And think, indeed, there will be indeed time. indeed there will be time. So just this repetition of. Pointing to something in the future, uh, preparing our hearts for something that they seem to like. They like to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's much more to the overall theme of this song that we can pull from that phrase, but just the fact that it's come up two songs in a row,
0: there, yeah. will,
1: there will come a time, is interesting.
0: It plays into the theme of that, that there's more... To reality and more to life than simply what's happening here and now, mm-hmm. right? Kind yeah. of going back to that thistle and weeds idea of planting your hope, because mm-hmm. that impl- you know, when you plant something, it'll grow and come to life, but later, mm-hmm. right? Um, so focusing on the more important spiritual things that are related to the life to come,
2: mm-hmm. instead
0: of just what's happening now. And so because the liars and thieves don't do that. Because they're so focused on what's happening here and now and what's the best, you know, the best move for the prophet and and, and all of that sort of thing, that's why they know not what is in store for them. Mm-hmm. But there will come a time. The reckoning is not far away, mm-hmm. is the idea there. And then uh, we have the chorus again, Seal my heart and break my pride. I've nowhere to stand and now nowhere to hide. In the previous stanza which concludes with I'll go out back and I'll get my gun I'll say you haven't met me I am the only son that's the last thing that we see before he shoots him so and we we end up not actually seeing the shooting happen but we get this super intense musical climactic build up and everything that it's you know tantamount to a gunshot mm-hmm. basically yeah. so it doesn't happen on uh in words but uh I think we. I think it's safe to say that it happens on stage or on screen or however you want to express it. Mm-hmm. But before that happens, we get the chorus again where he's talking about how he wants to face what he's done. Then we hear the music build and we hear, essentially, the gunshot happen. And then I think we hear the chorus again after that um, mm-hmm. as it sort of comes down and then we hear... Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, it was me. I know what I've done because I know what I've seen. And he knows what he's seen because his face Mm faced what he's done. Right. I went out back Mm -hmm. and I got my gun. I said, you haven't met me. I'm the only son. He finally has aligned his heart and body and mind to be able to to face it, confront it and confess it. I guess, you know, it ends up uh, spiritually speaking um, in a good place. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though, uh, <laughs> going by the external circumstances, not not so much. It's really uh, not much hope for for this young man in this life. But uh, that's this life is not ultimately what everything is about, right? So yeah. I think I think we'll end up looking back at this song a lot in the next one. in after yeah. the storm, I think in a lot of ways, after the storm could be something of a sequel to this song yeah and actually a sequel to a lot of the songs Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) on on this album because there are some pretty stormy songs on this album as we've as we've mentioned before right with the storm and and king lear and um so and i gave you all on thistle and weeds and the that storm of accusation and little lion man and just all the sorts of things Mm -hmm. all of all of the there's there's been a lot of of rough stuff happening here Mm -hmm. and after the storm is all about after that you know what what happens after terrible things Mm -hmm. happen what is it what does it look like to to move forward um Mm -hmm. while acknowledging the terrible things we'll stop there (laughs) we won't keep talking about after the storm now because we'll talk about that next week on the final episode of season, season one season finale the season finale don't miss it it'll be coming out <laughs> on a day <laughs> I do not know which day yet but probably there about a week a after this episode is released <laughs> which uh, we'll see when that is mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> but yes there will come a time when you'll you'll look in our eyes through this mm-hmm. uh, camera. App and see us talking about after the storm. But anyway, uh, we should talk about what we've learned today from Dust Bowl Dance. Very interesting conversation, I thought. Not exactly where. It's always fun to see like where it actually goes mm-hmm. as I talk through it compared yeah. to where I think it's going to go when I'm making the notes for it. I've kind of given up on trying to predict <laughs> exactly how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. But what are our, our like our main takeaways? from this, in your opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. I suppose for me, the main takeaway, yeah, is, is the trouble that comes when we are too attached to the, to the things of this world. Because uh, all of this is fleeting. Um, you know, it's like a bowl dance. Um, I'm wondering why it's called a dance. I mean, when I think about uh, dancing You know someone's leading And you have to follow the person leading at least Yeah, that's what makes a better dance is when you let somebody lead and then someone else follows getting too too, too far off here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, So when we when we place much value on the things of this world and don't let when we lose sight of god uh, who is the one who is our leader (laughs) Mm -hmm. um we can make a mess of things but there is grace when we can align our hearts our minds and our bodies to to that recognition um to that uh to that realization which we can hope that this person arrived at that, um, or will arrive at that. And these things that we do that we think are gonna make us happy, won't. Which again, if we don't receive, we don't, I don't think we get that sense in the, at the end of this song that he realizes that what he's done has left him still grasping for things. Um, that he feels justified in doing what he did, uh, which is not great. Yeah, I don't know, that's kind of my main takeaway from this song.
0: What, do you think at the end that he does feel justified?
1: I... right, I think... He, I... I don't think he... F- at least it doesn't seem... He knows he's done something. Mm-hmm. He's done something... Yeah, he feels like he's... maybe he's glad he's done it, but he's also willing to accept the... the consequences.
0: Interesting. I don't think... I think I agree with that cuz so I think that the the language suggests can I see the lyrics? Yes. I think the language suggests that he does recognize that it wasn't the right thing to do. You know, well he says for one thing that uh, pray you never feel the same kind of remorse. Mm-hmm. So he does feel remorse for it and feel sorry for having done it. And he says break my pride. So he indicates that it was he seems to be aware that he took the coward's path. mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: Right, and that he he didn't do that. It was pride that prompted him to it, and that what he should have done was he should he should have left. But at the same time, he felt like he couldn't.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so, I don't know. I feel like at the end, he kind of reaches a place where he he recognizes that to a certain extent, it doesn't really matter if it was the right thing to do or not because it's what he did do. Yes. And that now what matters most is just is facing the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure to a certain extent, yeah, he does feel justified because of all of the, you know, all the accusations that he that he does make against the liars and the thieves.
1: Yeah, so yeah, maybe justified is not the right word, but perhaps that he feels um it was some sort of something led him to this and he feels like that was he feels th- some sort of cathartic experience of <laughs> having killed, killed a man, um, which is not justified. You know, it's never okay to kill somebody.
0: Well, sometimes it's I mean, okay to kill yes, somebody. Yes, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> <in> <laughs> right, I should, be, I should be
1: careful. Yeah, But yeah,
0: um, here is, you know,
1: in this, argu- this was arguably
0: murder here.
1: Yeah, right. Um, but anyway, yeah, perhaps what we've learned, what I've learned, the reminder that this life is fleeting. <laughs> Ultimately, there is something greater beyond this world, and that is what we should keep our eyes on, and to not let our emotions get the best of us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty much it. This one's less about abstract truths of human nature sort of mm-hmm. thing it's much more one of those case study mm-hmm. sort of songs
1: yeah like winter winds was right
0: before we close out here i keep thinking about connections between this song and little lion man and just the you know the whole idea like this year is sort of the supreme example of somebody effing it up right mm-hmm. it's like i, I just want to read the little lion man lyrics now now that we have discussed Dust Bowl Dance, uh, go back and read the Little Lion Man lyrics here to, to close us out. So imagine the man in Little Lion Man here being the young man from Dust Bowl Dance. Weep for yourself, my man. You'll never be what is in your heart. Weep, Little Lion Man. You're not as brave as you were at the start. Rake yourself and rake yourself. Take all the courage you have left. Wasted on fixing all the problems that you made in your own head. But it was not your fault but mine. It was your heart on the line. I really effed it up this time, didn't I, my dear? Tremble for yourself, my man. You know that you have seen this all before. Tremble, little lion man. You'll never settle any of your scores. Your grace is wasted in your face. Your boldness stands alone among the wreck. Now learn from your mother or else spend your days biting your own neck. But it was not your fault but mine. It was your heart on the line. I really effed it up this time, Didn't I, My Dear. So yeah, I think there's there's a lot of of connections there.
1: It does sound like it, yep. Maybe
0: I'll make another video Mm -hmm. specifically discussing connections between those two songs. We'll see. But anyway, in the meantime, this has been fun. Mm -hmm. One episode left, super excited. Keep an eye out for that, don't miss it. And we'll be back then before too long with season two, which uh, I can't wait for. Like and subscribe. Yeah, do that. You know. (laughs) All the normal YouTube things Mm -hmm. and uh, podcast things. Mm -hmm. Um, And for those of you who are still listening, don't forget this is a podcast. Mm -hmm. they are a video podcast as well, and you get to actually see us. And uh, I put in a lot of time and effort editing the video version, (laughs) and it takes up a lot of processing power on my computer, so... (laughs) I'd appreciate it, not to guilt you into anything, but appreciate it if you check out the video. (laughs) Um, But anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, until next time, we are Bridget Gamboni and T.S. Russell reminding you
2: to sign.